back home and I tell people what I do for a living, and they think, well, now that figures. But over here, it's uh, a big, big mystery. So I guess I've changed some. Sometimes I wonder if I've changed so much my wife is even going to recognize me whenever it is I get back to her. And how I'll ever be able to to tell her about days like today. Uh, Ryan... I don't know anything about Ryan. I don't care. Man means nothing to me. It's just a name. But if... You know, if going to Ramel and finding him so he can go home, if that earns me the right to get back to my wife, well, then, then that's my mission. That's what I want to listen to, man. I, I'm not trying to hear a, a dissertation on black and white film from the 20s. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. So what are we doing? Saving Private Ryan. I got to get. This is this is your show. Right, got to get my mind off of uh, black penis because this is Marcus played and that has <laughs> no place. <laughs> There's <here>. the intro. <laughs> we're that's the intro we've been craving. We're we're talking about uh, one of the greats, one of the classics that no one can disparage in Saving Private Ryan, uh, and because of that. Yeah, I'm going to give it a little smart-ass theme of uh, damsels in distress, and we're going to focus on Matt Damon getting to play that particular damsel here. He is the, the quest object for Tom Hanks and company uh, to, to go save him, to, to bring him back. And um, I'm I'm kind of – I don't know what, what your experience is with uh, Saving Private Ryan. I made a lot of assumptions in selecting this that I'm uh, – this is like a solid double – to you here, sure. That, uh, I think that's okay. fair. Uh, but uh, go ahead. I, well, I mean, it seems like the type of movie that if I got on film Twitter, it wouldn't surprise me necessarily if I saw a lot of hatred for this movie. But I, I think there could be an ebb and flow with Saving Private Ryan. Maybe just with Spielberg films in general, where uh, they arrive, they're instant classics. Then there's the you know the backlash saying it's overhyped. Mm. Uh, then people come back to it five years later and they're like, no, this actually is a masterpiece. That sort of thing. I have to admit, I'm kind of, kind of in that camp. Like I saw this when I was a teenager, uh, opening weekend. Thought it was phenomenal, excellent. Uh, but it because of the subject matter uh, and because of the, you know, the violence in particular with the, uh, you know, the the opening what thirty minutes, forty minutes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's not something that I gave a lot of play even as a teenager because, uh, you know, there are certain minute war movies that are fun and this one is decidedly not that i mean in a good way so i i've not actually revisited saving private ryan a lot probably the same as like something like schindler's list which i can look at as like well that's a masterpiece of film uh i'm probably not going to throw that on as much as i do something like commando or you've got mail that is just Mm. popcorn Mm. and it's fun for me so I, I don't know. I don't know what your experience is with saving private ryan if you've had that sort of ebb and flow i'm sort of in the same camp um when I saw it, I, so initially I wasn't that high on it, right? I, I, th- I thought that the beginning of it was very, you know, it's, it's a technical marvel is what it is up front. You know, you see, and not just that, obviously the opening battle is, is, is bonkers, but 
a lot of the stuff that Spielberg is doing throughout is is just technically just masterpiece level shit. Um, but I always struggled with everything in between the the premise of the movie and and sort of the camaraderie. I'll compare it to Band of Brothers, right? Same subject matter. It's a Hanks um, Spielberg joint, really. Um, and there, you know, it, it it feels a lot more true to life because the focus is on the camaraderie. It's the focus is really there, and the focus is on the camaraderie here as well. But it's a very bickering. I just really couldn't connect with because it. Of you know, the it's just constant. quest object. Correct, because of the damsel in distress yeah. aspect yeah. of it. What makes one better than the other, and yada yada yada. And it's just, you know, the movie opens up, and I, I like you. I haven't watched it in a while, and it opens up with this flag waving, and it's see through, and it it feels over reverential. Like it feel, you know, when the fan, you watch the old man, the you know the Matt Damon character as an old man walking towards the um, towards the cemetery. And he's got his whole family, and they're sort of tiptoeing behind him. It feels like they are the uh, they are the stand-ins for us, right? right? That's yeah. how we're supposed to feel: timid, reverential, in awe. The musical grandeur is going that, and it's a little too much. I think it's just it's. I respect the military. I respect the greatest generation. I respect all that. I admire it. I love Band of Brothers. All of that stuff, but I also don't want to be pushed that hard. Right, I don't want to be pushed like he's pushing me. I, I struggled with that a little bit too, and I, I mean, I think Spielberg is not necessarily not necessarily known for his uh, always landing the the endings, even on films that people really admire and cherish. Uh, you know, that I think that he can he can get into that sort of saccharine quality. Like you know, he he wants so much. I mean, he has such warmth towards his characters. Uh, that it can sometimes sure. make you uncomfortable. But I, I also was trying to put myself back in 1998, and I don't remember that being a criticism as much. Like, I, And I don't know if it was just because you know people had not really had those conversations, or, to, like, or maybe it just hadn't been a part of the pop culture landscape, because it's very different from you know, what had come in the prior... I don't know, 15, 20 years when you have war films primarily on Vietnam where there, there's yeah. a totally different mm -hmm. aspect to the, the characters that are, you know, they're very three-dimensional and very gray as far as like what that, that, that war. And it was very conflicted feelings as far as how the American population felt about it, about what had been accomplished. It, particularly uh, when you compare it to World War II, right. which is a universally, it is the, the old, you, World War II f feels like that's the reason America should have a powerful military or that, you know, it's the perfect defense for it, right? You're going against tyranny, racism, genocide, you know, all of that stuff. Um, whereas Vietnam is obviously a very politically driven thing, right? You know, the, the stamp out communism and all this other bullshit. Um, you're absolutely right. But then I think that there's another, you know, our feeling, it feels like at that time in 98, this is pre 9-11. Because post 9-11, we went through a phase where we were very proud of our military. Uh, we were very, you know, you've got the lone survivors of the world. You still, we still get this, right? You, you get these like big time movies about that. But here, pre 9-11, talking about the positive aspects of the military or, or portraying uh, this generation with such reverence. And obviously Spielberg has a different perspective because he is a he is a, a, a Jewish kid, 
like you know and i believe he's got some ties to the holocaust and and i, I may be speaking out of turn but i like i can't shinders this is a thing right with him as well right so it, it felt it feels different by because of the different ways we're looking at the military through different events right and we've gotten sort of fatigue about american sort of military tyranny and things like that and me being a military member i don't i don't have that i have fatigue of, of policy not of the military i i'm able to separate the two but you see the different time periods here and how we perceive them so i'm kind of in the same boat as you of it's just kind of changing and it began flowing also looking at movies from a more technical perspective also changes the way you're looking at it like oh shit this is legitimately a technical marvel well i mean yeah because when i when i fall on that i'm Thinking, well, shit. Have we have we had a better movie come out since Saving Private Ryan? As far as I just look at this as like, I don't know if I've had I, like there are movies that I favor. Like one that comes to mind is like Zodiac, which hits me in a particular uh, you know uh, theme that I like to see on films. Was I like that theme of like the obsessed character that you know is clearly mm-hmm. an overset. But I can you're talking about sort of separating uh, you know your sort of personal professional there. Um, I can also see why I gravitate more towards that movie than others, even though Zodiac is certainly an acclaimed film. It was not a hit. Are you it's a, are you a serial killer? That's what you're saying. You're a, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's your profession. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think so. Uh, very unsuccessful at that. Much like podcasting, you know, I've no, I don't have the numbers yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> Keep working on it, yeah, buddy. You'll get yeah. there. <laughs> um, but I I can even though that is not a, a personal subject matter, or if you were like from. Uh, if you grew up like in the Bay Area in the seventies, I could see why mm-hmm. Zodiac would work for you more if you remember living in that time period. Yeah, I, I like like I grew up in Miami, and I remember very vividly um, when Adam Walsh was killed. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, his dad uh, yeah, was yeah. the guy yeah, yeah. who was on uh, on America's. That's why that thing. They, I mean, the kid was abducted in a J.C. Penney in South Florida, and they I think they found like his head or something like that. It's like real fucked up shit. But I remember it gripped mm. South Florida for a, a long time for the, the the heinous nature so i i can kind of almost it's not quite as big as with the zodiac killer or son of sam is another mm-hmm. one right that that sort of that that new york heat uh, uh, thing but I, I i get what you're saying i mean, I mean there's also the heat of uh, john like just just Laying pipe all over the city that summer. <laughs> I also love Summer of Sam, and I have no connection whatsoever to that time period or or that that city in that way. Uh, Good movie, great movie. The but Saving Private Ryan. I I look at it like I, I was kind of shocked actually how much I was like enthralled with this movie because I'm not uh, like, like you know actually you've actually tried to invite me on uh, and there's been stuff like uh, we did Paths of Glory on True Bromance and I, mm-hmm. I'm just like you know war movies in general like if you give me a genre that I would say put at the bottom of the list war movies is the one where I just I don't you know the subject matter or like what the characters are gonna you know deal with um, I, I don't find myself that enthusiastic to to watch for, for two hours and I don't know if that's good or bad if that's like insulting or, or not but Saving Private Ryan, like when I was watching it this time, it it sort of smacked me in the face that we're like in the hands of like a true master here. Like, and I yes, I really was scratching my head at trying to think when something with this sort of weight, something with this like with this scope, and like this the, the execution is just perfect as far as 
as you said, once you get past maybe the bookends of the, of the film, uh, and and just the bond between the guys here, who are not, it's not like they're presented as likable from the start, or no. that they gain even more likability, like you know Vin Diesel, for for instance, who is uh, a, a likable dude here and attempts to do something good, which you know that that comes to his way to go downfall. You know he's he's talking shit immediately to the the new guy. I mean they're 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 also like they're so tight knit that they're also bullies to anyone that's outside the group that is also going through the same thing they're going through. There's right there there was just so much here that I it, it made me mad all over again to to think that this <laughs> this lost to Shakespeare and fucking love for best picture because oh, it's yeah. just, like that seems like something that is. And, you know, if you like that movie, that's fine. I like rom-coms as well. And, and Ben Affleck, I will still hold as the best thing about that movie as playing the, the jerk, playing the, the douchebag in, uh, in that Miramax joint. But this just seems so far above, uh, pretty much almost any movie I've seen in the last 22 years that I, I'm going to go so far as to say that it's, it's probably like, somehow become underrated in my like you know film watching mm. life i was i was shocked how wow. much i enjoyed it watching it uh, in 2020 that high on it huh I, I mean i still struggled with the damsel in distress aspect of it i genuinely did like so i you're just Ed burns are you that guy saying this I, is this is a joke this i'm is more sort of a waste of our not only our resources but our, our lives you want to explain the math of this to me i mean where's the sense of risking the lives of the eight of us to save one guy 20 degrees. Anybody want to answer that? Driving. Think about the poor bastard's mother. Hey, Doc, I got a mother, all right? I mean, you got a mother. Sarge has got a mother. I mean, shit, I bet even the captain's got a mother. Well, maybe not the captain, but the rest of us got mothers. There's not a reason why there's but to do and die. What the fuck is that supposed to mean, Corporal, huh? We're all supposed to die, is that it? Papa's talking about our duty as soldiers. Yes, sir. We all have orders and we have to follow them. That supersedes everything, including your mothers. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Even if you think the mission's foobar, sir? Especially if you think the mission's foobar. What's foobar? Oh, it's German. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never heard of that. Sir, I have an opinion on this matter. Well, by all means, share it with the squad. Over my way, thank you, sir. This entire mission is a serious misallocation of valuable military resources. Now, go on. Well, it seems to me, sir, that God gave me a special gift, made me a fine instrument of warfare. Riven, pay attention now. This is the way to gripe. Continue, Jackson. Well, what I mean by that, sir, is you used to put me and this here sniper rifle anywhere up to and including one mile of Adolf Hitler with a clear line of sight, sir. Pack your bags, fellas. War's over. Amen. Oh, that's brilliant, Bumpkin. Hey, so, Captain, what about you? I mean, you don't gripe at all? I don't gripe to you, Riven. I'm a captain. He's a chain of command. Gripes go up, not down, always up. You gripe to me, I gripe to my superior officer, so on, so on, so on. I don't gripe to you. I don't gripe in front of you. You should know that as a ranger. I'm sorry, sir, but uh, let's say you weren't a captain, or maybe I was a major. What would you say then? Well, in that case... I say this is an excellent mission, sir, with an extremely valuable objective, sir. Worthy of my best efforts, sir. Moreover, I feel heartfelt sorrow for the mother of Private James Ryan. I'm willing to lay down my life and the lives of my men, especially you, Ryden, to ease her suffering. 
He's good. I love him. No, I feel like a more Adam Goldberg. He's a little more pragmatic about his defense. Like he's saying, it seems like a waste of resources. Like let's let's calm down. Like I don't know if this is worth it. Ed Burns is a little too over the top for my taste. You know, he's a, and this is where the military side of me like, like shut the fuck up, man. Like he's he's got he's a PV two. He's got one little thing on there. I mean, he's, he's got a great head of hair. He should, though. That's why I kept going back oh, to. He is a yeah. He's a good looking dude, man. He's just he's a private. Get out of here with that. Do you man. know how much I enjoyed Saving Private Ryan? It caused me. To to read a book on Ed Burns, written by Ed Burns, about his filmmaking career. And it was pretty good. You read the whole book? Read the book. It's actually a pretty quick read. I mean, Ed Burns, uh, I, I would not say that uh, Ed Burns is uh, one of the our generation's greatest thinkers or philosophers. <laughs> it's not like it's dense material. Oh, boy. <laughs> but he's trying to be, isn't he? I mean, he's like, he yeah, he's born with true movie star looks. And he's got that gravelly voice. You could be... But he's out there trying to be Woody Allen, you That's, know, making movies. Yeah, that was probably the thing that uh, would make it hard to, I guess, recommend the book now, especially on film Twitter, is uh, the guy has, from page one, a reverence for, uh, you know, the Woodmeister there, uh, as far as, like, those are the type of movies wow. I like. That's what I want to make. And he can't do it. To some degree, I guess he's he's successfully making those type of movies, but they don't really uh, move the needle at all anymore. Like they do oh no, movies. they're not. Have you watched any of them? They're not good. You know, most of the, the the back half. Once we got to past sidewalks in New York, I realized I had not seen any of these movies he's made in the last. I don't know, almost almost twenty years at this point. Yeah, I've been. Wa- but I, I've watched she's the one I saw. Uh, the guy won't sleep with Jennifer Aniston. It's uh, th- that was the I I could believe these guys saving Matt Damon's ass, putting their lives online. I could not believe a husband would stop having sex with Jennifer Aniston. That was a pretty big plot hole, Mr. Burns. Yeah, that's kind of – yeah, no, that's even me. No, that's <laughs> just full you. stop right there. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've had this argument with Bear, my co-host on True Romance about Jennifer Aniston. No, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I'm not the biggest fan. But uh, still, come on now. <laughs> Be serious. <laughs> now I'm just more interested in your – you know. Um, fantasy non-sex life with, with Jennifer Aniston, but uh, I don't know. I, I feel like you're talking about uh, the family as like the audience. I feel like Ed Burns is kind of the audience once we get into the actual like uh, mission. He, I think he's the one voicing the cynical or pragmatic look at you know that does what does this one life actually mean that maybe some members of the audience are actually that's rolling around their head, especially as you start to lose members of these guys because one yeah. of the big, the, the important things, Spielberg, you don't know who, uh, who, who Ryan is until they actually find him, and so you like the guys you're with, and when they die, and then it's on to the next. This like what seemingly fruitless quest. I feel like you come to maybe agree more with Burns more. Maybe, maybe that's just your your military background, but me as just a civilian, I'm thinking like, yeah, I'm glad someone is voicing. Why the fuck are we doing this? And I, I love the scene where Tom Hanks, where he keeps it together and then privately has that, that moment of doubt as well. See, I was waiting on Tom Sizemore. This is the, the, one of the few times to say, I am the Tom Sizemore of the I don't movie. think it's one of the few times. I could, <laughs> I could see. <laughs> I, that's, okay. I was just thinking. I was like, here's the team. Here, here. I'm going to lob one to Mike. Let's see how long it takes for me to take a cut. I mean, <laughs> Tom Sizemore, you know. I could see you aspiring to the type of Hollywood uh, career that he's had, the Hollywood lifestyle a, he's had. I think he's a great – he's one of our greats, uh, one of our greats. But, you know, he shoot that shoot at birds in the face. Shoot him. He's 
just completely derailing the whole thing is insubordinate he's he's causing strife amongst the men shoot him he's got more than more than enough cause just shoot him right in the face i want to bring up my podcast now uh before we get interesting into, segue well before we get into any more you know there's a possibility of tom sizemore uh sex tape talk coming up so i just <laughs> just want to get this out of the way he has a sex tape there was a leaked during one of his you know problems with substance abuse uh carry on i will be <laughs> okay, on google yeah. uh so i apologize uh, to this podcast which is called uh easy riders raging podcast and they do a, a sort of decade by decade look it's a very like a uh, long form uh thing so they they looked at the 70s i think now they're on to the 50s currently uh but you're talking about a huge back catalog and a lot of movies discussed here and so I was trying to think of another damsel in distress, but sort of off the beaten path, uh, damsel in distress movie. Uh, and what I settled on was Taxi Driver. And of course, given the nature of uh, them discussing the 70s, they sort of introduced Taxi Driver as one of the 70s movies. Like when people think of 70s cinema, they think of Taxi Driver. Um, but what they really emphasize, I guess, dangerous idea of disconnection. So obviously the Travis Bickle character feels disconnected from everything okay. in the world. Mm -hmm. And so the, in this case, the damsel in distress being Jodie Foster, it gives this character a sense of purpose. I mean, it may be misguided and it's not his first, <laughs> his first instinct. Uh, his first instinct is to take Sybil Shepherd out on a, a proper date to a, a, a triple X movie. And when that doesn't work, uh, isn't that your move too? Like, you know, you're taking them to black Swan. <laughs> I think you're on the record. Academy award winning black Swan, sir. Oh uh, um, yeah, that's right. That doesn't work. You know, he moves on to political assassination and he fails at that. So next best thing is we'll go save this 12-year-old prostitute from uh, this pimp, these horrific men. Um, they actually brought up an interesting point now, though, that in the 70s, uh, it would be easier to feel disconnected from everything around you. But I almost wonder if Travis Bickle, to some degree, is kind of a representation of that. Like he is a veteran, so he is mm. a product of Vida Vida Amor. He is angry, as yeah. were many people. He is confused. He is lost and somewhat broken. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it seems possibly too much to say he represents the country at the time, but the film does capture what I perceive to be the national mood. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that, and I'd say that like it's it's intriguing when you make that comparison between um, like seventies American mood and present because. I don't know if this is even more depressing, but like the overall mood of Taxi Driver is one of alienation, of disconnection from mm -hmm. other people. And what is, what in theory should be encouraging is the fact that we live in ostensibly a period of more connection. But I would say that the connection of people with that kind of pure anger has not necessarily been a good thing. Oh, my, my, <laughs> not, I mean, not to paint with too broad a brush, but I feel like the, if you were to make a Travis Bickle analogue in like, contemporary politics... Like, he has somewhere to talk to people these days. Yeah. And Other than the mirror, you know. Because the mood today, I sent you, like, the mood, at least over here, I don't imagine over there, there is definitely a mood of anger. Yeah. Everyone is angry yeah. on both sides, which is <laughs> part of the problem. But, you know, like, everyone is angry. Mm -hmm. And that's not good. That, that, that is not going to lead good places. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose. I mean, you've got to look for, you've got to look for the positive. <laughs> what's, the, what's the line from Star Wars? It was uh, she says, oh. you, "You can't. Um, you, we, we're not going to win by attacking the things we love. We're going to win by protecting. Sorry, we're not going to win by attacking the things we hate. We're going to win by protecting the things we love." It's a good line. It is a good line. 
Yes, I agree. And it felt very... In the context of Star Wars The Last Jedi, I agree. But, it, but, it, <laughs> but it, in terms of... It felt like a very 2017 line. It did, yeah. Yes, it didn't feel like it was plucked out. No, it felt very contemporary. Yeah. But now that we're going to have the same Travis Bickle types, if they remade this in modern times, he would become more aggressive, more angry, because he would find like-minded souls that are oh, yeah. echo chamber and encouraging him to... Facebook is a scary place. I mean, first, he would find me first saying, yeah, take Sybil Shepherd to this... This movie, it's a it's a surefire yes, move. Yes. Then he would move on to the next mess, message board about political assassination, which I would not be on because I I have scruples. You see how you are tangentially involved <laughs> in the the degradation of America on social media. You know, you see where we're going here, right? That uh, was Easy Riders Raging Podcast. You should really check them out. And now you're back to the degradation of podcasting as a form, as an art form here on Marcus Played. God almighty. <laughs> See, I took a, t- a totally different approach to this. and it, I, So you, you said damsel in distress. I wasn't going to go quite that dark. you know. With the, with I the, was just thinking more of the Ed Burns thing where in Saving Private Run, you have someone voicing, I don't feel connected to what we're doing here. And he's doing something heroic. But I just thought it was interesting that a guy who could participate in an act of heroism is saying – I don't feel anything from this. In fact, I just feel disdain for, for what, uh, what, you know, we're going to be, these characters are going to be remembered for. That's why you have the bookend material with Tom Hanks. Like mm. he, he gave this man a life and you have someone voicing that I, I, I'm gaining nothing from this. Uh, I just thought that was but interesting. But you still, you still, um, yeah, but he's, you still get Ed Burns diving straight into this fight, right? Like he, he has something to fight for. Even though he's bitching and moaning the whole way, so there's that. That's like yeah, he's not an unheroic character. He, it's coming from a place right. of anger because he's losing his friends. He's losing people that he'd correct. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's yeah. not that he's yeah. a cow- which there are. You know, there's another character in the film that is a coward, uh, which I remember being oh, very. Boy. Th- that was ext- like I worked at a video store when this came out, and that was like I just remember so many small town Kentuckians. You know, guns on their their hips, holstered guys who like wanted to be in the military or want to present themselves as military guys. Those are the worst. Would, those are the worst. Would never ever actually like commit to that. Absolutely. the uh, worst. And they would tell me a 16 year old kid behind the counter that was like, Hey, same part. Ryan's a really good movie. Uh, they would tell me how terrible it was because, uh, here's what they would have done in that situation. And oh, even yeah. as a 16 year old, <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there thinking, come on, dude, like really like none, none of us here have any, have any right as we stand here like with vhs tapes uh yeah none of us have any right to say here's what we would have done decades prior yeah. in this situation yeah no i, I hate those people i hate i hate, hate those people however <laughs> on uh, going back to true romance here is that we spent a good 30 minutes just eviscerating this dude that the amount of frustration and hate jeremy Davies because character i'm assuming correct yeah. that we have for corporal upham here uh, it, it, and the problem is it's the whole movie's couched in brotherhood, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're still talking about this is the greatest generation, all this stuff. And it's the whole movie is couched in that he doesn't have that thing. Like he just doesn't, I don't understand. You know, I, I just, I don't from my own experience as one thing, but then also what we're being shown in the movie as this brotherhood, he is, and yes, he's the new guy, but still you're a human being. How could you sit and cry in the stairwell? I don't get it. I just, I didn't. You know, I don't know. Like honestly, I think I've. But I wasn't. I became there, so, like a worse. I've become a worse human because I, when I'm listening, to this guy as a 16 year old, I actually had 
nothing but compassion for, for this character and all of them. Cause I, I was just like wise enough at that point to be like, well, I have no idea what I would do in that situation. Like I, I'm not going to speak from a place of ignorance because I don't know how I'd react to it. Like there's a really like, there's a great scene right after, uh, you know, the beach sequence with Adam Goldberg where he just has a complete breakdown. He's able to go through something that I don't think people can comprehend what these guys are being asked to do, especially in an age where people don't want to put on a, a piece of cloth over their mouth. You, you see guys oh just, <laughs> yeah. just, you know, go run into that you know wave of bullets and dead bodies and hope you make it through basically yeah. just push forward. But Goldberg has this moment after he's accomplished all that, where he, he reveals his humanity. Like he reveals everything he probably had to put aside in his mind to accomplish that. And then he's, you know, he, he's he's taking it in for the first time as far as what he just yeah. lived through. But now I, there was a little bit of me that as I was watching it this time with, with Upham that I was like, even if you're that scared, I, I, I fault Spielberg in this more than the performance where it's like you want to just have this moment, this dramatic moment of cowardice. When I feel like if he truly was that scared – I feel like he you wouldn't even see him. Yeah, he would have been he would have been gone a long time ago. Yeah. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Um to get that close cuz I mean, he's having a full-on breakdown, uh sort of a panic attack, but it's also putting himself in a position where it's like you could be shot in the next 5 seconds cuz you're you're running yeah. away. Running back and yeah. forth and he's the and the runner of yeah. the ammunition, so he is in a heavy amount of peril because he's got to cross various lines of fire to get to his objective over and over again and it just doesn't fit. Um, so I took a, I took a little different turn with my damsel in okay. distress, right? So here uh, in Saving Private Ryan, spoiler for the ending, right? The damsel is saved, right? It's the heroic uh, finish. I don't think this right? is a we spoiler get the, at this point because you open with Matt Damon going <laughs> – old Matt Damon going to the crib. Oh, that's true. I guess, you know. <laughs> I guess. You're right. Um, but – and the enemy gets its comeuppance, right, in, in Saber Prime Ryan, yeah. because the Germans lost. Well, and the, the guy that was shown a measure of uh, decency. Mercy, and, yeah. Uh, he's shot. <laughs> he's the only yeah. one um, of, of the, I guess now, the prisoners of war that's yeah. shot. Not enough to satisfy the guy in the uh, video store days, because he, he, he no. would show me with the, the gun on his head what he would have done, <laughs> what actions oh, yeah. he would take, what, what maneuvers he would have made with uh, all those VHS tapes surrounding him. He would have done it in his uh, Kentucky Wildcats jersey, probably, too. The whole that would have made it better. <laughs> I don't actually think he was wearing him. I think he was really going for the military look, but I would have loved the uh, a UK jersey on with the gun on his head. Oh. So, <laughs> the starter you know, I was looking up <laughs> the gun in his <laughs> <laughs> a real tree hat with a UK logo on it. Um, I was I was thinking about damsels in distress and 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 sort of those prototypical because um, it's a very heavy trope. You know, mm -hmm. it's 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 been throughout movies. We've seen it in King Kong and all these things. Is that damsels in distress? Um, I thought about the Princess Bride. Um, yep. And so I, I I looked up this podcast. They're called the Wilder Ride. And really, what they this podcast what they do is it's it's a uh, they, all they do is talk about Gene Wilder movies, but they, they did like this Patreon special events where they did, they kind of veer away. And here they, they actually brought their wives on to talk about Princess Bride in hindsight and, and sort of how it's held on. And they had an interesting point talking about the damsel in distress where we – this is a very uh, classic swashbuckler movie, but it does its best to kind of play with the um, the format through the reading of the book and the kid where – there's a little bit of a nice bait and switch sort of in the middle where 
um, Wesley dies, and the kid like pumps the brake. Hold up, hold up. He, what, you mean the the the, the prince doesn't mm-hmm. die, and this he does die, and like he goes, you're reading it wrong. And that always struck me when it came to that movie. Um, it's sort of like a fun thing that Rob Reiner does, and and and, and William Goldman do there to to kind of throw fun into the damsel of distress trope. He really got bent out of shape when he died. And he was like, wait, yeah, he what, can't be dead. In the book, yes. Yeah. He's like, wait, yeah. you, you, I, I, he does that a couple of Grandpa, you read that wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you read the book wrong, Grandpa. The words mean something else. You said them wrong. Or and, when she, uh, when she had the dream mm-hmm. where he, in the dream, she married Humperdick, And he's like, no, no, that can't be right. 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 Well, what I loved, what, and, and this is one of those things that will always trigger back the memory of the very first time watching it. Because when he says something later, he says, but who kills Prince Humperdinck? And the grandfather goes, nobody. He goes, what? It's like, no, Wesley has, he goes, no, he lives at the end. And I'm like, okay, you're pulling my leg. No, he was telling the truth. Prince Humperdinck lives through the end of the book yeah. and the end of the movie. So it was kind of neat. To, I, I always remember that feeling of, okay, grandpa's lying to me because that's what should happen. What like, and too. the kid is constantly telling us. What should happen in a movie, and I think that may be another reason I love the movie, is it doesn't necessarily follow the Hollywood convention of this leads to this, which leads to that, and therefore you already can predict what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was a good setup, too, because I remember when I watched it thinking, oh, he's lying, and he's he's setting us up for the end where he does kill him, and then he didn't end up killing him. So it's almost like a, um, a non-bait-and-switch, bait-and-switch, you know, like <laughs> – right. You, you spend the whole rest of the time going, wait, you know, does okay, he? You sound like Vizzini. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the character I wanted to rub off on me. I'm clearly already confusing we cannot take the theory coming from you. <laughs> All right. Clearly, you cannot accept the theory that just came from me. Um, it, it ends up obviously being very straightforward. You know, they ride off in the sunset. They live forever. Even like very melodramatic, cartoonish way of the horses and all that stuff. But they kind of try to play around with that voiceover stuff. A voiceover that that kind of works because it's jarring you back and forth into the reading of the book. I just found it interesting that um, the, the the various ways that we can play with damsel in distress. Obviously, as you're doing it here with uh, the, your disrespect to, to, to the greatest generation here. <laughs> well, um, disrespect just with the uh, the subject matter, or the fact that I bring in taxi driver as my <laughs> my alternate. Yes to all. <laughs> Uh, I saw Princess uh, Bride on uh, – because I was uh, – like you, I was like, you know, what are some – because I'm sure there are uh, thousands of just action movies where, uh, you know, we bring up Commando a lot, which is a primary one. Arnold's going to make yeah. sure that his family is reunited, get his little girl back. So, But Princess Bride is one that came up that, as you mentioned, kind of subverts it a little bit, like or at least our expectations of how the roles don't always stay static, that they, they shift. And, you know, the way Robin Wright plays it is she's, you know, she's not your typical, even though she's playing sort of a typical fairy tale princess uh, in role. Literal. Yeah. But yeah. Um, her actions with, well, you know, when she is the damsel in distress. She's talking shit. Yeah. <laughs> she's, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot to like there. Like you, you understand the, the dynamic of why, someone would fall in love with her other than just pure beauty. Right. Other than, and that's, I, I, I that's another one like same private Ryan. Cause I, we recently did that on uh, Rob Reiner month, uh, as, as you well know, for a podcast directed by and the best month. I, uh, it probably is one of the better ones. Um, I was shocked also how well that one stood up because some of these things become so iconic 
that my fear is you become dismissive of them because they become almost too too big for the the medium uh that they become a sort of shorthand and for the most part i think with saving private ryan i don't know if it has entirely i definitely think the opening you know 40 minutes has i think i think that but i i, I do think that uh we've forgotten a lot of the uh character work involved here some of it work some of it you know is a little distracting like when ted dancing you're not a big fan of the billy crystal uh uh billy crystal uh, i've never been a big fan of and princess bride ted dancing just nothing wrong with his performance you didn't like ted dancing? nothing wrong with what he does he just sticks yeah, out now yeah uh i also read that uh apparently when matt damon was cast he was cast uh before goodwill hunting was released and uh spielberg Ooh. was happy that he had just like a relative unknown like good looking like all-american guy and uh that there'd be no expectations of who ryan was boy that changed in the marketing real fast didn't it yeah yeah <laughs> so uh even for mr spielberg doesn't always work out perfectly but yeah this uh you know i would i would not have much in the way of uh debate with someone if they said saving private ryan is a is a perfect film i have small nitpicks but i i was shocked at how well this one stood up and uh yeah i i really enjoyed it um i don't know it probably would take me another decade or maybe even 20 years to like want to sit and watch it again when i watched it with my wife she was like let's not let's not do that i think she was ready for princess bride mode like we got to shift really? dramatically again yeah she doesn't want the downer of uh watching corporal Alpham cower in the corner and urinate on himself <laughs> she... <laughs> i feel like i should just play music there like the... <laughs> the poison coming out of your mouth like just this distaste for this this character I, I hate that I'm now paired up with uh, with your boy, the Kentucky Blue, and in, in a real tree hat. You know, me and him. Look, I tried we're, to play you. Brothers in arms. I tried to pay you a compliment by saying when I'm watching this, I see Tom Sizemore. I saw you. Like I, I knew exactly who you would be, and you know, you, you held up your end of the bargain. And now I know you're looking at his uh, very fleshy body as he consorts with uh, oh, hookers. <laughs> we're doing some Tom Sizemore. I'm I'm. A hundred percent. So I, I'm looking through his, his because I would, I really, I think Tom Sizemore, that guy brings a lot to the table, man. Uh, at least old fashioned, obviously baggage character actor, and that he, yeah. you're getting, uh, uh, he is like the guy on a rookie contract when it comes to the movie. You're getting far more value out of him. Uh, it's like he's on the last year of his rookie deal. He always adds way more than what you probably should in very small parts. Like you look at him in Natural Born Killers, you look mm-hmm. at him in True Romance, you look at him in Saving Private Ryan. Any of these state now, there's a movie where we get peak, sweaty, nasty Tom Sizemore. I think that's what we should do. Enemy of the State. Have you seen Enemy of the State? I have seen it. Uh, it's interesting you bring that up. I've had it on my iPad for two months now as just a one for me type movie that I just feel like watching. Uh, so you're, you're right it. on point, but I I don't know if I've seen that since maybe the initial video days. I know I saw it theatrically, but I mean, that's that's 98, so it's, it's definitely been a bit. Speaking of super chickens, going back to our previous episode, um, you know, we've got quite a who's who cadre here in Enemy of the State. By the way, you know who directed Enemy of the State, right? Uh, the the guy that uh, my co-host on the podcast directed by apparently is just blackballed because I sent you a uh, a copy over a text it's like hey Dave is narrowed yeah. down to four directors no Tony Scott not on the list God Almighty well we here at Marcus Play will be doing the Lord's work talk about Enemy of the State and uh, and my boy Tom Sizemore sweating up the joint cocaine and 
stripper-induced performance. I think you took no offense to that when I <laughs> said I see Tom Sizemore, I see my buddy Hyro. Sometimes you lob that pitch out there, and you know what's coming back. You know that 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 comebacker is going to hit you right in the forehead. You just know it's coming. You'll just have. 